you are listening to Pharmacy IT and Me, your informatics pharmacist podcast. Hey everyone, this is Tony Dow, and welcome to another episode of Pharmacy IT and Me. And as with every episode, we start this one saying that the intent audience is everybody. So today we'll be speaking with our special guest, Dr. William Berger, on his role in pharmacy informatics and technology. And I'm pretty excited because uh, Dr. William Berger is a consultant pharmacist. So thank you so much for taking some time out of your busy day to be on the podcast. And how are you doing today? I'm great, Tony. How are you? I'm doing well, too. Yeah, just, you know, a Friday that we're recording right now. The weekend's coming up. So for, you know, our listeners to kind of get a better understanding of, like, where you're from, can you kind of briefly introduce yourself, maybe go through some of the background? Sure. So I'm a pharmacist. I've been a pharmacist for 10 years. I spent my first five years as a frontline staff practicing pharmacist, and I spent around the last five years in uh, pharmacy IT. Uh, currently, I am Epic Willow, which is the pharmacy module, and Epic Beacon, which is the oncology module, certified in both of those applications. And currently, I do consulting work for Epic hospitals that either need Willow or Beacon, or a lot of times, uh, Willow and Beacon help on a variety of projects. Um, they can range from implementations to post-live support, uh, all the way up to upgrades and optimizations. So it's kind of a variety of work that I do for different size clients. That's really cool. And you know, like when you said Epic Beacon, that's you said oncology, right? That's the oncology module? Yep, that's the oncology module. Yeah, so I'm actually pretty impressed with hearing that you're doing Epic Beacon as well as Epic Willow, because I think Epic Beacon in itself is very complicated with all the complicated uh, oncology regimens, right? How did you kind of get into Epic Beacon, but also doing Epic Willow? So with Epic, uh, Beacon and Willow are really closely tied together. So the Beacon module is where all of the Beacon analysts, uh, they'll actually put together the roadmap. So they have their uh, order groups that go into treatment plans. And what goes into each one of these order groups are the medication records. And so Willow actually owns all the medication records for all of the oncology medications. So it's there's a lot of things that happen in Willow that affect what end users see in Beacon. So, and actually, this is an interesting tidbit. In order to get certified in Beacon now, you either have to have an inpatient certification, an ambulatory certification, or a Willow certification. So that's how closely uh, tied that Beacon and Willow are to each other, that you have to have one before you can even get the other. Oh, that's interesting. I didn't know that. For you, did you get the Epic Willow before you got certified in Epic Beacon then? Yeah. So um, my my path into informatics in general is really unique. I was a practicing pharmacist uh, for five years, and then I got a job at Epic. So I picked up my stuff and moved to Wisconsin and got a job there as a clinical content pharmacist. And so once I was there, I first got certified in Willow. And I did a lot of work in Willow there. I did uh, content for their foundation system, which is the product that they use to pitch and sell to customers. Customers can pull clinical content out of there, use it in their own system. They can change it, all that other kind of stuff. I did some implementations as well. But an interesting project that we did at Epic was we took the NCCN guidelines and we built them into that foundation system product for Beacon. And so we were pretty stretched pretty thin resource-wise. And I got designated to be the pharmacist to oversee that project. And part of that meant that I had to go get Beacon certified. So I got Beacon certified and I was able to use my Willow knowledge with my newly acquired Beacon knowledge to 
help move that NCCN protocol project forward. And then when I left Epic, I still had both certifications and um, I utilized both of those on my current clients. Wow, that's really cool. So, so you now went into consulting and, you know, one of the things about consulting is like for me, I kind of feel like I don't have enough knowledge base or experience yet to get into consulting. And how did you kind of know like when was the right time for you to start getting into consulting? Was there kind of like some signifiers or was it more of like you wanted to do it and then see where it went? Like, did you have any kind of pre-thinking with that? Well, I always knew when I was working at Epic that consulting in the future was a possibility. And a lot of the work that I did while I was at Epic was with a lot of different customers, you know, different sizes and different specialties, you know, pediatric versus oncology, uh, big, huge organizations like partners, uh, smaller organizations that only had one or two hospitals. So I, I had a variety of experience with a lot of different types of customers already from my job at Epic. Once I left Epic, there's obviously there, I don't know, maybe you don't know about this. There's a one-year non-compete. So when you're an Epic employee, and you leave, you can't work for any customers on their IT team. You can't work for any competitors or consulting firms for a period of one year. So I went back to practice for that year. And after that, after the non-compete was over, I felt I was ready to go into consulting. So, and all these recruiters, they all know exactly when your one-year non-compete is over. And, you know, I interviewed for a couple different opportunities and one of them hit and that was my first client. Oh, awesome. For your consultant role, I, I know that it's very project based. So is there kind of like a standard day to day for, you know, whenever you have different clients, there always is like a standard day to day schedule of like meetings or is it really going to be dependent on what kind of projects you're working on? It definitely is dependent on the projects. So for an implementation project, it is going to be more of that standard weekly touch base meetings, uh, meetings with different stakeholder groups. Uh, so you can keep the project on the timeline. For post-live support, uh, it's a little less structured. There's not as many meetings. It's more ad hoc meetings with end users to try to troubleshoot something that either they're not understanding in the system or something that actually is broken that needs to be fixed. And upgrade is a little different as well. It's more siloed to just the end users who are stakeholders for the project. There is somewhat of a timeline, but it's not as big of a crunch as a big implementation, and it's a little bit more focused. So it really depends on the customer. It depends on the project, what the day-to-day -day is. And as a consultant, you kind of have to be flexible with that. You have to do whatever the client hired you to do because they're expecting a certain kind of consultant. So it doesn't necessarily matter what you did on your last client. It's what the new client needs. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. So, you know, for the different projects that have that you've done, were there any kind of like projects that stood out that you want to share? Or maybe, I'm not sure if you're allowed to talk about any upcoming projects, but um, is there anything that you thought was interesting that kind of stood out in your history of working on these projects? I always like to work on the upgrade and optimization type projects. So it's usually you know, new and cool functionality that's coming out and they've set aside some time and resources to implement some of these things. And so one of the more recent ones I did, there's a new functionality in Epic called Dispense Prep with Pictures. And so I don't know if you're familiar with third-party solutions like Dosage or MedKeeper, but it's essentially a native functionality in Epic to replicate taking pictures during the IV workflow process. Not a lot of Epic customers across the country have implemented this yet. So I was fortunate enough to work for a client that was interested in you know, buying the hardware, the cameras and such. Uh, and then developing the functionality within the system. 
So that was probably my most interesting recent project. Um, you know, there's a lot of other upgrade stuff that is pretty cool, but that's what's been taking up a lot of my time recently. Oh, that's really cool. It's actually really, I, I didn't know that Epic had that. I'm more familiar with, you know, third-party solutions. Like we, we use Dosage at my facility and, you know, there's that whole like trying to get the interface working between the two different systems. So it sounds really cool that, you know, Epic has an in-house solution so that you don't have to deal with additional interfaces or print interfaces or, you know, HL7 messages for that, right? Yeah, it's, it's, it's very new. There are no interfaces whatsoever. It just takes the data that's already in Epic and populates it into a similar looking interface as far as end user interface. So it's a similar screen to really what MedKeeper looks like. And, um, but it's all data that's already in there. Awesome. That's really cool. I also wanted to ask you, it's a little bit off topic, but I, I also noticed that you received recently a MBA just a few years ago. And I kind of want to ask you about mm-hmm. how that, you know, has been useful in not only your informatics role, but in your consultant role as well. So I think it definitely, it definitely helps in informatics, but it also helps in a different way with the consultant role. Part of why it is important in informatics is you kind of have a different way of thinking compared to how you were taught as a pharmacist. Because, you know, as we as we all know, in pharmacy school, we've been trained to be you know, super detail oriented uh, because we have to. I mean, that's part of the job. But in IT, that's not that's useful, but it's not necessarily everything, you know. So from a business perspective, looking at things from the 10,000 foot view and then also asking the question, does this add value? So uh, I'll give you an example. Let's say Epic comes out with a new piece of functionality and the pharmacy team sees it and says, OK, let's let's put this in. You know, as a detail oriented person, you'd automatically dive in and say, well, we have to do this and then we have to do that. and We have to do this. But look, stepping back and looking at 10,000 foot view, you have to say, well, why are we going to do that? Who's going to add? Or how is it going to add value? Who is it going to help? And that's the other thing to think about, too. When you're talking about being a consultant and you're doing projects like this, you have to be able to talk to the stakeholders through their own eyes. So you have to say, okay, we're doing this functionality, but we're not going to drive it down your throat. We're going to say, hey, how is this going to affect your day-to-day? How does this make you a better pharmacist? How does this make you a better director of pharmacy, depending on what tool you're building out? So it's it's a lot of... Uh, interacting in the change management as far as getting people to adopt the things that you're building. And I think in pharmacy school, we don't necessarily learn the skills to be able to do that elegantly. And I think my experience from business school, not just in coursework, but in meeting other people, have a different approach to those types of situations where here's a change. People may not be excited about it, but being able to change their perception and them having the idea that they change their own perception. That, that sounds kind of weird, but it, it, it helps when you're in a group of, I don't know, maybe pharmacists who aren't so excited about this new IT change that's going to alter their everyday work life. If you can get them to come around, uh, it makes the adoption and the buy-in a lot easier. I'm glad that you articulated that because I've actually noticed a, a good handful of informatics pharmacists do have an MBA. And I always like, wondered why even my coworker has an MBA. And um, for her, she she does more of like the financial piece for, you know, uh, inventory management and 340B. So it makes sense. But I'm glad you also articulated that, you know, it is a change in the thought process, which uh, is quite needed in in uh, this kind of space that we're in. So thank you for that. And, you know, um, for people who are interested in not only getting into informatics in general, but like getting into a role of a consultant pharmacist, what kind of advice do you think you can give them? 
Those are two very interesting questions, and I think my response would be a little different to each one of them. So uh, as far as getting into informatics, I think it depends a lot on where that pharmacist is in their career already. So I think if they've been a staff pharmacist for a few years and they're, they've had an interest in how informatics works, then the best advice I would say would be to volunteer to be a SME on the next big IT project, or even a small IT project. So there's nothing more that I appreciate than a SME who's engaged, you know, a SME who wants to help design the workflow and design the tool. You get a lot better product out if the SME is super engaged. And so I think starting out there will give the IT team you know, information about you, you know, the person who wants to get into IT as far as aptitude and um, interest in the field. And then as the pharmacist is trying to get into IT, you get a little bit more of a taste of what it's like to actually work in that environment. If it's a student, I think, who wants to get into informatics, I would give the same advice, but I would say definitely staff for a little while to get a couple of years of clinical and operational experience under your belt. It's going to make you a lot better at being an informatics pharmacist. At least that's my opinion. As far as getting into consulting, I think that is a next step. So I think if you get into informatics in a hospital role, like a, an FTE analyst or something, I would say a couple of years of that, a couple of different types of projects. And then if you're willing to make the leap and if you've got financial reserves and you can do it from that perspective, then start either reaching out to recruiters or just letting them know you're available or you're interested. And there's con the constant stream of projects. Uh, they're going to be of varying length and different types of projects, but you're going to get one. And for starting out in consulting, you might hear of what some consultants make per hour or whatever. Just know that when you get started, you kind of have to start low. And when you start low, you get into a project, you can underbid anybody else who's been doing it for a little while, and that could be your opportunity to get in. And then once you've gotten a couple projects under your belt, you can start raising your rate and getting the types of dollars that you're hearing all these other consultants get. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you for sharing that advice. And you know, if people had any further questions for you about maybe your career path, what's the best way that they can reach you? Well, there's a couple ways. Um, LinkedIn, you can find me on LinkedIn. Also, you can go to my website. It's abidonetwork.com. That's A-B-I-D-O network.com. Or you can email me at will at abidonetwork.com. Awesome. Thank you. I'll be putting that in the show notes. So for anyone who's interested, they can reach out to you. But to be respectful of your time, I'd like to thank you again so much for taking some time to be on the podcast. And you know, I'm sure our listeners learn a lot from you. Thanks for having me, Tony. Right. If you like our show, please share with your friends, or you can help us out by writing a review on Apple Podcasts or any of your other favorite podcasting services. You can also check us out on social media, on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or LinkedIn, and you can also reach out to me at Tony at PharmacyITME.com. If you want to network, you can check out the Pharmacist Select group at PharmacistConnect.com, which is P-H-A-R-M-A-C-I-S-T-S-C-O-N-N-E-C-T.com. There's different topic channels, including informatics, and I've met some great colleagues on there, and I look forward to connecting with you as well. Thank you again for listening, and I'll see you on the next episode of Pharmacy. And me. And remember, technology is a tool, patient care is the goal.